0: Hello, Hopeful. I'm Roger Corville, and this is For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible. Here, we read through the scriptures conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in his world. Welcome. I was talking to someone the other day about how much we here in the United States suffer for our faith. <laughs> of course, What does that mean? Oh, somebody said something mean about me, or, you know, more seriously, I could lose my job. Now, all kidding aside, my friends, the question on the table today is, what if you stand out, maybe even on purpose, because you bring light to darkness, joy to a place where political backbiting and nastiness are rampant? The truth is, friends, people might be curious. They might even ask. And we, we get the very name of this podcast from what Peter said to do next. And with that, we get to today's slice of our Monday through Saturday journey through the Bible in a year time together. And my friends, just a little family business as we get rolling here. I'm on the backside or on the on the recovery side of a sinus infection that just seriously kept me down, I've never been ever four days behind in producing the podcast, but I will catch up. We will produce a podcast for every single day this year, uh, like we do every year. So thank you for your patience and your prayers, and happy Family Friday to you. That said, today we get into the next section of 1 Peter chapter 3, picking up at verse 13, And remember, the context here is Peter is writing to people that are scattered and dealing with a Roman emperor that's about as nutbag as ever, right? In the 60s AD was not a good time uh, in the ancient Near East to be under Roman rule, including or especially if you were a Christian. Here we go. Who then will harm you if you are devoted to what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness, you are blessed. Do not fear them or be intimidated. But in your hearts, regard Christ the Lord as holy, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you yet do this with gentleness and reverence keeping a clear conscience so that when you are accused those who disparage your good conduct in christ they will be put to shame for it is better to suffer for doing good if that should be god's will than for doing evil i'm going to pause right there my friends that's one of the quintessential verses that apologists use to speak to the, to the nature of how we all have on us a call, a general call, to be ready to give a defense. That word is, the Greek word is apologia or apologia, where we get the word apology or apologetics. And the point isn't saying, I'm sorry. The point is, uh, the, the original word means to give an answer. So listen to this again. First, it says, but in your hearts, regard Christ the Lord as holy, right? God is set apart. He is the Holy One. That's who we follow. That's who we serve. That's who protects us. That's who guides us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And what is it? What do we do? We are ready at any time to give a defense, an answer, a response. To who? To anyone who asks you for a reason, here's the name of the podcast, for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and reverence or respect, keeping a clear conscience. That means there's a certain posture to how we do this. It's not okay just to to, to be nasty in the name of Jesus. But I'm going to point out two things here because I, honestly, I'm just going to do more teaching than reading today and that's just, because I'm kind of going off the cuff. Ready at any time to give a defense presumes for to anyone who asks you for a reason. This presumes that in the midst of a mess, if you are living a Holy Spirit-filled life, right? With gentleness and joy and peace and kindness and the, the fruit of the Spirit, people are going to wonder why you're different. If you go to the office and there isn't political backbiting or politics or nastiness or cheating or or whatever's going on at the office and you do something different, you tell the truth, you bring joy and peace, people are going to wonder why you're different. And some will ask you why you're different. What is the reason for your hope? Well, let's drill, drill in, right? Remember that Christian hope isn't like uh, chance-based. It's not like I hope they'll win the lottery. It is actually, in a Christian, in a biblical sense, hope is something which you have confidence in. That which you have confidence in, like, I'm confident that when I sit in this chair, it has the strength to bear my weight, is an example, right? Well, in our case, of course, the Christian hope is eschatological as in we trust God who has delivered on every promise past and will deliver on every promise future. That Christ really rose from the dead to pay the price for our sins and he will return. And there is an eternal destiny for each and every one of us, right? Every one of us will call him Lord, (laughs) some with great joy and some with fear and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Why? do you have hope? Why are you different? Yet do it with gentleness and reverence. All right, picking back up. For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit, in which he also went and made proclamation to the spirits in prison who were in who in the past were disobedient when God patiently waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared. In it, a few, that is eight people, were saved through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience toward God, and does so through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven And is it the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers subject to him? And that wraps up 1 Peter chapter 3. We're going to turn back to our Old Testament segment. I did enough talking and exposition there. Um, We're going to turn back to our Old Testament segment. And today I'm hoping to finish up the book of Numbers. And today we're going to have some more of that verbal skimming. So it's going to be as much teaching as it is reading Because we begin in Numbers chapter 34, in this section about boundaries of the promised land. And without us looking at a map, it's hard to even go, wait, what is this all about? Does this make any difference? You'll see what I mean. Here we go. The Lord spoke to Moses, command the Israelites and say to them, when you enter the land of Canaan, it will be allotted to you as an inheritance with these borders. All right, I'm going to read this one time. Your southern side will be from the wilderness of Zin along the boundary of Edom. Your southern border on the east will begin at the east end of the Dead Sea and your border will turn south to the Scorpion's Ascent, proceed to Zin and end south of Kadesh Barnea. It will go to Hazar Adar and proceed to Asmon. The border will turn from Asmon to the Brook of Egypt where it will end at the Mediterranean Sea. Your western border will be, you see where this goes? There's a whole lot of reference to things like creeks and hills and scorpions ascent, whatever that is, right? It's, it's literally a place, but we don't know what that is. And uh, it's not like I can parse every one of those. So God through Moses kind of goes in a big circle and says, Hey, here are the borders of the space that you're being, that is being given you. Okay. Continuing. So Moses commanded the Israelites, This is the land you are to receive by lot as an inheritance, which the Lord commanded to be given to the nine and a half tribes. For the tribe of Reuben's descendants and the tribe of Gad's descendants have received their inheritance according to their ancestral families, and the half tribe of Manasseh has received its inheritance. The two and a half tribes have received their inheritance across the Jordan, east of Jericho, toward the sunrise. The Lord spoke to Moses. These are the names of the men who are to distribute the land as an inheritance for you. The priest Eleazar and Joshua son of Nun take one leader from each tribe to distribute the land. These are the names of the men. Caleb son of Jephunneh from the tribe of Judah. Shemuel son of Amohud, from the tribe of Simeon's descendants. Eladad son of Shislon, from the tribe of Benjamin. Buki son of Jogli a leader of the tribe of Dan's descendants. And from the sons of Joseph Haniel, son of Ephod, a leader from the tribe of Manasseh's descendants. Camuel, son of Shifton, a leader from the tribe of Ephraim's descendants. Elizaphan, son of Parnach, a leader from the tribe of Zebulun's descendants. Paltiel, son of Azan from Issachar. Ahuhud, from, uh, son of Shelamai from Asher. Pedahel son of Amuhud from Naphtali's descendants. These are the ones the Lord commanded to distribute the land uh, distribute the inheritance to the Israelites in the land of Canaan. My friends, why is that important? Well, maybe in heaven we'll figure out why, but there is a connection to lineage because remember the land is being parsed according to God's grace in a way that provides for people, right? Based on the size of their tribe, etc. And I believe also according to their gifts, right? And they had different things they excelled at. Continuing, chapter 35, Cities for the Levites. The Lord again spoke to Moses in the plains of Moab by the Jordan across from Jericho, command the Israelites to give cities out of their hereditary property for the Levites to live in and pasture land around the cities. The cities will be for them to live in, and their pasture lands will be for their herds, flocks, and all their other animals. The pasture lands of the cities you are to give the Levites will extend from the city wall, 500 yards on every side, measure a thousand yards outside the city on the east side, a thousand on the south, south and on the west, thousand on the north with the city in the center. And this will belong to them as pasture lands for the cities. Pause. What are they doing? They're providing for the priests and Levites, right? This is the people who take care of the religious business. Same reason we give to the church, right? The pastor and those who take care of the church, etc., etc., need to be able to take care of business as well, right? Continuing, the cities you give the Levites will include six cities of refuge, which you will provide so that the one who kills someone may flee there. In addition to these, give 42 other cities. The total number of cities you give the Levites will be 48 along with their pasture lands. Of the cities that you give from the Israelites' territory, you should take more from a larger tribe, and less from a smaller tribe. Each tribe is to give some of its cities to the Levites in proportion to the inheritance it receives. Next section, cities of refuge. My friends, I'm going to run out of time, so I'm not going to go into this deeply. But if you listen to this, you'll figure out, you'll hear what in the ancient Near East was the origin of the distinction between murder and manslaughter. You with me? Here we go. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and tell them, when you cross the Jordan into the land of Canaan, designate cities to serve as cities of refuge for you, so that if a person who kills someone unintentionally may flee there. You will have the cities as refuge from the avenger, so that some, so that one who kills someone will not die until he stands trial before the assembly. The cities you select will be six cities of refuge. Select three cities across the Jordan and three cities in the land of Canaan to be cities of refuge. These cities will serve as a refuge for the Israelites and for for the alien or temporary resident among them so that anyone who kills a person unintentionally may flee there. If anyone strikes a person with an iron object and death results, he is a murderer. The murderer must be put to death. If anyone has in his hand a stone capable of causing death and strikes another person and he dies, the murderer must be put to death. If anyone has in his hand a wooden object capable of causing death and strikes another person and he dies, the murderer must be put to death. The avenger of blood himself is to kill the murderer. When he finds him, he is to kill him. Likewise, if a person is in hatred pushes a person, or throws an object at him with malicious intent and he dies, or if in hostility he strikes him with his hand and he dies, the one who struck him must be put to death. He's a murderer. The avenger of blood is to kill the murderer when he finds him. But if anyone suddenly pushes a person without hostility, or throws any object at him without malicious intent, or without looking, drops a stone that could kill a person and he dies... But he was not his enemy and didn't intend to harm him. The assembly is to judge between the person who kills someone and the avenger of blood according to these ordinances. The assembly is to protect the one who kills someone from the avenger of blood. Then the assembly will return him to the city of refuge he fled to, and he must live there until the death of the high priest who has anointed, who was anointed with the holy oil if the one who kills someone ever goes outside the border of the city of refuge he fled to the avenger of blood and the avenger of blood finds him outside the border of his city of refuge and kills him the avenger will not be guilty of bloodshed for the one who killed a person was supposed to live in his city of refuge until the death of the high priest only after the death of the high priest may the one who has killed a person return to the land he possesses these instructions may will be statutory ordinance for you throughout your generations wherever you live. If anyone kills a person, the murderer is to be put to death based on the word of witnesses. But no one is to be put to death based on the testimony of one witness. You are not to accept a ransom for the life of someone who is guilty of murder. He must be put to death. Neither should you accept a ransom for the person who's. Flees to his city of refuge, allowing him to return and live in the land before the death of the high priest. Do not defile the land where you live, for bloodshed defiles the land, and there can be no atonement for the land because of the blood that is shed on it, except by the blood of the person who shed it. Do not make the land unclean where you live, and where I dwell. For I, the Lord, reside among the Israelites. Oh, all right, my friends, I'm just getting goosebumps here. Crazy enough, all of that relates to exactly how Jesus redeems not just you and me, but creation as well. All right, finishing up. The Inheritance of Zelophehad's Daughters, final chapter of the book of Numbers. The family heads from the clans of the descendants of Gilead, the son of Maker, son of Manasseh, who were from the clans of the sons of Joseph, approached and addressed Moses and the leaders who were the heads of the Israelite families, and they said, The Lord commanded my Lord to give the land as an inheritance by lot to the Israelites. My Lord was further commanded by the Lord to give our brother Zelophehad's inheritance to his daughters. If they marry any of the men from the other Israelites' tribes, there." their inheritance will be taken away from our father's inheritance and added to that of the tribe into which they marry. Therefore, part of our allotted inheritance would be taken away. When the Jubilee comes for the Israelites, their inheritance will be added to that of the tribe into which they marry, and their inheritance will be taken away from the inheritance of the ancestral tribe. So, Moses commanded the Israelites at the word of the Lord, what the tribe of Joseph's descendants says is right. This is what the Lord has commanded concerning Zalavahat's daughters. They may marry anyone they like, provided they marry within a clan of their ancestral tribe. No inheritance belonging to the Israelites is to transfer from tribe to tribe because each of the Israelites is to retain the inheritance of his ancestral tribe. Any daughter who possesses an inheritance from an Israelite must marry someone from the clan of her ancestral tribe so that each of the Israelites will pass... Or will possess the inheritance of his fathers. No inheritance is to transfer from one tribe to another, because each of the Israelite tribes is to retain its inheritance. The daughters of Zelophehad did just as the Lord commanded Moses. Mala, Terza, Hoglot, Milcah, and Noah, the daughters of Zelophehad, married cousins on their father's side. They married men from the clans of the descendants of Manasseh, son of Joseph, and their inheritance remained within the tribe of their father's clan. These are the commands and ordinances the Lord commanded Moses, commanded the Israelites through Moses in the plains of Moab by the Jordan across from Jericho. And my friends, that wraps up the book of Numbers. Today's wisdom segment is Psalm 35, and it just dawned on me. Uh, you know, we're kind of just dealing with Roger recovering from sinus stuff here. And I didn't really pick a theme today, but if there is one, I think... Maybe it bubbles up to me now, which is trusting God for ultimate justice. Right, that's what we put our hope in. That's what we're always ready to give an answer for. Today we've got Psalm thirty-five to close out. It's a Psalm of David. It's a prayer for victory, and it is a trust ultimately in in God's justice. Right, we we'll, we will hear context will be vengeance and vindication ultimately what we're trusting in is through the old testament we're we're going to look past the language of 2900 years ago and hear about how david he trusts god for justice let's wrap up with this psalm psalm 35 oppose my opponents lord fight those who fight me. Take your shields, large and small, and come to my aid. Draw the spear and javelin against my pursuers, and assure me, saying, I am your deliverance. Let those who intend to take my life be disgraced and humiliated. Let those who plan to harm me turn back and be ashamed." Let them be like chaff in the wind, with the angel of the Lord driving them away. Let their way be dark and slippery, with the angel of the Lord pursuing them. They hid their net for me. They hid their net for me without cause. They dug a pit for me without cause. Let ruin come on him unexpectedly, and let the net that he hid ensnare him. Let him fall into it, to his ruin. Then I will rejoice in the Lord." I will delight in his deliverance, and all my bones will say, Lord, who is like you, rescuing the poor from one too strong for him, and rescuing the poor or the needy from one who robs him. Malicious witnesses come forward. They question me about things I do not know, and they repay me evil for good, making me desolate. Yet when they were sick, When they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled myself with fasting, and my prayer was genuine. I went about mourning, as if for a friend or brother. I was bowed down with grief, like one mourning for a mother. But when I stumbled, they gathered with glee. They gathered against me. Assailants I didn't know tore at me and did not stop. With godless mockery, they gnashed their teeth at me. Lord, how long will you look on? Rescue me from their ravages. Rescue my precious life from the young lions, and I will praise you in the great assembly. I will exalt you among many people. Don't let my deceitful enemies rejoice over me. Don't let those who hate me without cause wink at me maliciously. For they do not speak in friendly waves— They contrive fraudulent schemes against those who live peacefully in the land. They open their mouths wide against me and say, Aha! Aha! We saw it! You saw it, Lord. Don't be silent. Lord, do not be far from me. Wake up and rise to my defense, to my cause, my God and Lord. Vindicate me, Lord my God, in keeping with your righteousness, and do not let them rejoice over me. Do not let them say in their hearts, Aha! Just what we wanted. Do not let them say, We have swallowed him up. Let those who rejoice at my misfortune be disgraced and humiliated. Let those who exalt themselves over me be clothed with shame and reproach. Let those who want my vindication. Shout for joy and be glad. Let them continually say, The Lord be exalted. He takes pleasure in His servants' well-being. And my tongue, my tongue will proclaim your righteousness, your praise, all day long. I love you, my friends. Amen. Amen.